Hello and welcome to What The Bump. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse who oddly enough has no kids, yet a huge passion for informing and empowering women on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me every week as we dive in to all things prenatal, postnatal, birth, and so much more. So let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back. And today I have Erica coming onto the podcast to share her birth story with us. Erica is an amazing photographer specializing in weddings, elopements, couple and family sessions. She actually shot my wedding and it was amazing. She had her first baby husband a little over a year ago and she is here to tell us about her journey and her birth experience. Erica had a fairly easy pregnancy but her postpartum experience was far from easy. She actually had two surgeries and was even re-hospitalized. I cannot wait for us all to hear Erica's story. All right so we have Erica joining us here on the podcast. Erica how are you? Good how are you? Thank you so much for having me. Well thank you so much for being willing to share your birth story with us and kind of tell us about what happened from going into labor to your actual labor and postpartum. Awesome. First off, my first question, how did you meet your significant other? So actually it goes kind of way back. My husband and I were at Woodside Bible Church and he was a senior in high school. I was a sophomore and we met in youth group and he was really into me. I did not want anything to do with him Mm -hmm. in that sense. I didn't want to date him or anything, but we were just really good friends. And then as time went on around 2013, that changed for me. My perspective changed and I fell in love with him and we dated for three and a half years before we got engaged. And then we got married in August of 2016. Awesome. So how far was between you guys getting married to finding out that you were pregnant? It was kind of a lot quicker than we expected. Okay. (laughs) Um, We were not actively trying at the time. We, I mean, we should have known we would have got pregnant, but (laughs) We thought we would be fine. So it was probably like a year and a half into our marriage. Okay. So you guys weren't necessarily trying, but you kind of like, did you have in the back of your head, like, oh, I might like end up pregnant? No, not at all. Not at all. No, because my cycle had literally ended like that day. And so I thought like there was a window and it would have been fine. And nope. Wow. Because normally there is a window there. So that's crazy. Yeah, it was a huge shock to us, but at the same time, it shouldn't have been, but it still really was. Um, So yeah, it was around a year and a half. We had actually just bought a house and bought a puppy, and within two weeks after that, we um, got pregnant. So it was totally not our (laughs) timing, but it was wonderful too. So So how did you actually find out? It It was May of 2000, no, June of 2018, and um, I was like a week late. And I didn't really think anything of it, which I should have because I'm usually always like on schedule. And my, I just got my hair dyed and I went for like an ashy, ashy blonde, ashy brown kind of color. And um, my hairstylist has been doing my hair for years and she's wonderful. She's like a Paul Mitchell pro. She's amazing. But she dyed my hair and that like week after it was turning blue. And I thought like, this is really weird. I've never had this happen before. Like I get my hair colored all the time. And so that was like a red flag, but I had no, I I never like thought to link that to hormones. And so then like Thursday, June, I think it was June 7th, we were with family um, and we were laughing and I was like showing my mom and my aunt, my hair was turning blue. And then they were like, are you pregnant? And I said, no. And they're like, are you late? And I said, yeah, I actually, (laughs) I'm a week late. And they're like, okay, so you might be pregnant. Like those are the only two factors that we really thought. So that evening we went home and my husband was like, you're not getting in the hot tub till you take it test. <laughs> because we wanted the hot tub, but we know that you're not supposed to when you're pregnant. So we, he literally drove me to the store for me to buy tests. Cause I was laughing. I'm like, this is ridiculous. There's no way I'm pregnant. So we got home 
he like went out to uncover the hot tub because we both were like, this is silly, but we're just going to test to make sure. So he went out to the hot tub to uncover it. And I took two tests and sat them like on the toilet, like on the back. And I got up and was walking around. I was like, this is really, really hilarious. But then I looked over and they both were positive, like within a few seconds, like strong, strong positive. So I didn't even know how to talk. Like I was very, very shocked. Um, So I walked out of the bathroom and he had just came into the house and he, like, we just looked at each other. Like I didn't have to say anything. And he just knew that I was pregnant and he like fell to the floor, like was completely shocked. And he's like, I'm going to throw up. (laughs) He was like, we were so excited and so shocked and he was so happy, but it made him feel sick because it was such a shock. So yeah, that's how we found out. We kind of just both sat on the floor together, like crying, laughing, didn't know what to think. So that's awesome. I would have never, I would have never even put together the hair dye thing. Like I've never heard somebody say that before. Yeah, it was. So when I did end up telling um, my hairstylist, cause she's a good friend. She, when we told her like we were pregnant and I told her like the whole hair thing, she was like, oh my word, that completely makes sense because the hor- your hormones are changing and it can affect so many different parts of your body. So it was, it was funny, but yeah, I'd never heard of that either. That's so now I know like next time to be looking if there's any changes <laughs> in my hair or whatever, but. And next time to know that you are fertile month around. Yes, obviously. Ovulation <laughs> doesn't matter for you. <laughs> you know? That's what I thought. I was like, this is crazy, but you never know what can happen with the next. Right. And then how was your pregnancy, especially your first trimester? Did you have any bumps, any pregnancy issues? Uh, um, so I found out I was pregnant like the night before I shot a wedding. So I'm a wedding photographer. So yeah, I found out like the night before, I think I was like six weeks pregnant, five or six weeks pregnant when I found out and I started getting sick around seven or eight weeks. So that was hard going through wedding season because you're working outside for 12, 10 hour days. It's hot. You know, it's not a lot of time to sit and rest. So that was a really hard summer, especially um, working that when you're sick because I was, I was throwing up a lot. And nauseous a lot. So thankfully, my doctor um, gave me some medication to help with that. That helped a lot during, especially during that season. And I actually um, was really sick up until 20 weeks. So that lasted longer than I was hoping for. But at the same time, I was really thankful that didn't last the entire pregnancy because I know some women deal with that the whole time. I also did have probably around like 20 something weeks, I did have placenta previa. So I mean, there was nothing too serious with that. It was just you know, precautions. It was like fully covering. So they, we had to monitor that for, you know, a long time. And then it actually did move. Um, I don't remember how many weeks it was around like 28 or 30 weeks, I think where it moved out of the way. So that was another thing. And for people who don't know, placenta previa is basically where part of your placenta lies either partially over your cervix opening or completely over your cervix opening. And I don't want to say it's necessarily normal, but it is seen pretty frequently. And normally if it's detected in the beginning of the pregnancy around like the 20 week mark, it's not that big of a deal. They keep an eye on it. And normally as your baby grows and your uterus grows, the placenta just grows out of the way and it completely resolves on its own. But sometimes it can stay in that position where it covers part of the cervix or the entire cervix. And it does make a vaginal delivery most of the time a complete rule out. You can't have a baby through your cervix opening when the placenta is completely in the way of the cervix. Yeah. I didn't know either when they called me in the doctor's office like, what in the world is this? And I thought it was serious because I'd never heard of it. Right. But then they explained like this is – this happens to a lot of women and it should resolve on its own. So – And it did. Also, a little bit later on, I did have a little bit of issues with um, high blood pressure. 
I didn't, they just had me monitor at home. Um, and I also had to go into the hospital a few times just to, to be, have the baby be monitored and everything. But yeah, so I, that, other than that, pretty good. Just the sickness and everything. Um, nothing too crazy happened during pregnancy. So pretty. So I was really thankful for that. Yeah. Did you have a birth plan or anything like that going into your labor? Not really. I tried to, um, I didn't want to make a plan because I didn't want to be let down. I'm the type of person, if I make a plan and it changes, it, then I'll get distracted and upset over that being broken. So my whole point of that was just to go in, like have a little bit of a plan, but just to kind of be able to go with the flow. Um, I, I knew what I wanted and I knew how I wanted to advocate for myself, but I also knew that the doctors and nurses know more than me. And so I was willing to listen to their wisdom and guidance throughout the whole process as well and be able to make decisions based on that. So I didn't have a set in stone plan. I knew that if the pain got too unbearable that I would um, get in an epidural. And that was really the only other plan that I had. I knew that I wanted my husband there. I knew that I didn't want all my family in the waiting room because that would add on this weird stress for me. Now looking back, I almost regret that a little bit um, because they kind of missed out on that exciting factor of it. But at the same time, it was nice because I knew I wasn't in a rush. I could like, I, you know, he would, my baby would come when he'd come and I wouldn't feel all this pressure of like family and stuff. So, right. You wouldn't feel like they were all like waiting down in the lobby. Like when is the baby coming and kind of watching the clock? You know, I always tell people that labor is really more of a marathon, not a race. And those babies control our lives before they even enter into the world. (laughs) Yeah, no, I know. So that's why I just didn't want that extra stress. But yeah, so that was really all I had for a plan. I did go the midwives route. Okay. Um, but as I get into the story, it changed. So I'll, I'll share that in a minute. Yeah. So how did you go into labor? Did you go into labor at home? Yes. So I was 40, no, I was 39 weeks and six days. So it was the night before my due date. And I was cooking dinner. It was like five o'clock at night staying at the stove. It was February 5th. So it was dead of winter. And Or no, I'm sorry. It was February 6th. Yeah, no, fit. I can't remember. I was two <laughs> days away. From, I was two days away from my um, due date okay. when I went to labor. So, cooking dinner, and then I felt this really weird like pop. It wasn't the one of those like loud like water breaking moments, but it was like this weird pop I felt in my lower stomach, and then immediately started feeling pain like menstrual cramps. And it, it I looked at my husband and I'm like, man, I think I, I think I'm going into labor, but I can't tell. So we just kept going on with the night. Like we, I, we sat down and ate dinner, but during dinner, like the pain just really intensified. And I was like, I really think labor is starting. So um, I wanted to stay at home as long as possible. But again, we were, our home is like 45 minutes from the hospital. So we didn't want to wait too long. So I got in bed because I was having a hard time like standing up and everything. And it progressed really quickly. Um, so I had, my contractions were pretty close. So they were like five minutes apart, really really, it came on really quickly. So I laid in bed, I called my mom and I could barely even talk to her. And they were laughing at me because like my mom and Matt were saying like, Erica, can you even talk through these? And I was, I was like, yeah, <laughs> but I, I really couldn't. So, um, I called the, the doc, the OBGYN and they, um, said, yeah, you need to head there right now. And it was also the night of an ice storm. So they, they said like, you need to head right now. Your contractions are very close together. You're not even able to talk or stand up. So we had everything packed already. So we got in the car and went. Car ride was fun. Not really at all. <laughs> Terrible. But yeah, it was this game of watching the clock and we were counting down like so they were getting close together. So they were like four or five minutes apart. And then when we got to the hospital, labor was just going really quickly. So they I actually like 
locked myself into the um, L&D because my, well, so triage, because my husband had to go really far away to park the car. So I could barely like walk into the hospital and it, it wasn't, it wasn't what I had envisioned, <laughs> but it was okay. It was fine. They got me there and upstairs before anything crazy happened. I was thankful for that. So my water actually broke in triage. So I got upstairs. I had been actually three centimeters and fully effaced and I'd lost my mucus plug like three weeks before. So I was just chilling, like ready to go into labor right. anytime. So when I got to the hospital, I was, I believe I was four or five centimeters dilated. And then my water broke there in triage. And did it really pick up after that? Yeah. I don't remember how long we were in triage. I felt like it was quick in the moment. It felt like an eternity because you're just like in pain and not loving that part of it. But they, they did really a really good job and they got me into a room pretty quickly. If I recall correctly, it's kind of all a blur at the same time. Um, and then how was your actual labor after that? So I, we got into a room. I, so I began labor around like five, five thirty. around. So contractions were like came on quick. They were going crazy. Um, I knew when they were coming, like I was loving counting down, like telling the nurses when they were coming, even before they were on the screen, mm-hmm. <laughs> they were like, you're impressive. <laughs> and I just wanted to brace myself for them. But, um, I got an epidural around, I think like 10 30 or 11. Okay. Um, and I was really excited for that because I'm like, finally, some relief. Mm-hmm. They gave me that epidural. My husband had to leave the room because he faints and can't handle that stuff. So that was funny. But I was really excited. And the epidural worked really well for like 30 minutes for me. And I was enjoying that, being able to lay back and talk to Matt, actually be able to talk and drink some water, just a little bit of water and things like that. But then after around 30 minutes, the pain came really bad like back and it felt like the epidural was only going down one side so I was a little bit bummed about that because I felt like the epidural wasn't really working for me um, but at that point there's nothing really we could do for that so I just had to power through it um, did it so you said what side did you feel like it was on only um the right side and did did your nurse ever like try to turn you or anything they moved me yeah they moved me around to try to get it to the medicine to you know, move, but I still, I felt quite a bit of labor, but it wasn't necessarily what I had envisioned again, but I had to go with the flow and just, I knew what was coming at the end. So it was worth it. So a lot of times epidurals can be one-sided and a thing that can help a lot just because epidurals travel with gravity is kind of turning you onto the side that you're not feeling the numbness on and kind of leave you like that for a little bit. Hope that the epidural travels. If not, a lot of times we can page anesthesia and they can come either assess the epidural or even give you, we call it a like loading dose or another bolus dose or a redose. And it's basically where they give you another big push of the medication in hopes that all you need is a little bit more to get it to spread to that other side. And the last option would be to redo your epidurals because it is possible that your epidural can be one-sided where they might not have got it exactly in the center. They might have kind of been more on the right side of your back or the left side of your back. And that can cause the epidural to kind of gravitate towards one side of you and that side become more numb. Pushing, it seemed to me that pushing came quicker than I expected was endurable because I knew, okay, we're almost to the finish line. So they came, I think it was like, 10 no like midnight um like I was a 10 so it went really quick so that must be why they never tried or decided to try to redo your epidural because you went to labor at five o'clock and you were pushing by midnight that is crazy fast for your first baby yeah it was weird um it was weird and that's why I think it was so intense too at the same time because I went from a 
four to a 10 within like two hours. So, um, so yeah, the contractions were intense. It just felt like it was never going to end, but, um, yeah, I, we didn't start pushing until 12, 12 o'clock. Um, but that's when it got not fun. So we pushing in the beginning was good. Um, my midwife was there, many other people, obviously, maybe some students and everything. I felt like there was a show happening because a lot of people came in. Um, I had my friend there photographing, so that was cool. But then, so yeah, pushing just kept going. Um, my husband almost passed out. They had him like grab a leg and when we first started and he couldn't handle it. It was really, it's funny now, but it was sad at the time because he had to go sit down and couldn't really be with me for the beginning part because he was sick. So they had to get him some modern stuff. It's so funny to me. <laughs> it's like, you're not pushing out the baby. I know. It happens. I have yeah. bad feet. Yeah. So we, so he sat over to the side, but um, yeah, so pushing went well. It was two and a half hours of pushing though. So it was a really long time. Hudson, my son was sunny side up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it made it a little bit harder. And I, that explains a lot of the back labor too. Um, and why that was probably so intense. And then his head was huge. Um, his head was like 99th percentile. He was just really, he wasn't, he was only seven pounds, 15 ounces, but his head was just big. Pushing went on and went on. And so then they called in doctors because it wasn't going well. The midwives needed help and they, they wanted, they had to get a vent to, I never say it right, the vacuum. Um, so yeah, they ended up having to do like an episiotomy, um, because his head was stuck and that was not the best time. (laughs) Did you feel? I felt a lot. Yeah, I felt a lot. And they, I think I tore a little bit too in there. And then they also had to bring the vacuum in. And that's when it got a little more intense because we are, they were really trying to get him out. And he, because it was going on for a long time, he was just stuck in the birth canal. His head was like mostly out. So it was getting pretty dangerous because, um, yeah, so he was stuck. So the vacuum popped off several times. So that was a little bit frustrating for me because A, it's not fun, but it's also, it, it just was worrying me too for his head and everything. I don't know. So then it got to the point where they were like, okay, if we can't get him out on this last push, like we have to do an emergency C-section. So I was like mad. I was like, I am not having all of this damage down there and having another scar on my stomach. So I was like, fire just came through. I'm like, we are getting him out right now. And so on the last push, he did come out. So praise God for that, because I just didn't want to deal with both sets of recovery. <laughs> I know a lot of women probably have to, but I, I just did not want that. So um, he came out perfectly healthy and his head was like a straight up cone because of the vacuum. So it was alarming at first, but then I realized, okay, he came through the birth canal and he had the mm-hmm. vacuum. So that's why. Um, but at first my husband and I were like, what is wrong? <laughs> but no, after that, you know, he latched right away. We had some really good time. Um, my friend, the, my, uh, my friend who's a photographer too, she took some pictures. I looked absolutely horrible. I don't know how women look so beautiful right after giving birth. <laughs> but I, yeah. Um, so we had a really good time just relaxing. So he was born at 2.30 in the morning and we were in our um, labor and delivery room for a few hours, just kind of recovering. So. So your whole labor was literally from around 5 p.m. to 2 a.m. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was very that's quick. Crazy. So that's what five, nine hours. Yeah, it was very. I, quick. That's like record time. Yeah, it was. That's why I think um, once I'll share a little bit more in a minute of what happened afterwards. But I, they, the doctors think we think that a big reason of what occurred afterwards was because of how quickly my labor did go. So yeah, there were some consequences with that. <laughs> So in the end, you you did get the vaginal delivery, but you also had an episiotomy and then the vacuum delivery. 
Yes. Okay. All right. So how was postpartum? So, um, they, so some stuff happened afterwards, which was quite shocking. I was, you know, doing well in the labor and delivery room. And then the nurse came to get us to wheel us, um, down to our mother baby room. And I was really excited to go to our room, um, because those rooms are so beautiful. They have like big windows and I just love them at our hospital. So I was really excited to go there and to sleep because we'd been up all night. But when they moved me to the wheelchair, I looked at the nurse and I said, I'm just really not feeling well. And she said, that's, o- that's okay, honey. You lost a lot of blood. We're going to go get you like comfortable laying down and y'all are going to sleep and just rest. And so I said, okay. And so they wheeled us down to the room. And once we got into the room, I started feeling very funny. And I, I really did tell her, I'm like, I can't really see straight. And I, um, I feel like I'm going to throw up. And I, I just told her, I said, I'm not okay. And she said, you, it's, it's because of what just happened. You, you're very exhausted and everything. So she had me lay down, turn the lights off, left the room. And I rolled over and looked at my husband. And I said, I'm really not okay. I'm not okay. And he said, just try to sleep. So he fell asleep really fast. And I was laying there and I started just like sweating. Like I took off everything, the blankets, like everything I had on, because I did not feel okay. I was going to throw up. I was shaking uncontrollably. So I called the nurse because I actually, I felt like I was dying. And so she came in and she like looked at me and she, she kind of screamed, but she, she freaked out for a second. So I didn't know what that meant, but it terrified me. And she ran out of the room and then she came back in the room with, I swear it was like 15 to 20 people. Lights went on. It just, it kind of got really crazy. And I didn't understand what was happening. I just knew I felt like I was going to die. So doctors were... I mean, I was hemorrhaging really bad. Um, So there were several doctors like on my bed trying to get the bleeding to stop. There was nurses. They were sending nurses all running throughout the hospital to get medications. They didn't have all kinds they needed um, in that section of the hospital. And it was really scary. I was almost in shock. My blood pressure was so extremely low. I remember seeing the screen and looking at the nurse and saying, please don't let me die. Please don't let me die. And she just held my hand and comforted me. So that was a really eye-opening moment that you just never know how things are going to go. But it also doesn't mean to be afraid of what could happen and what could go wrong because childbirth is a beautiful thing and it's a gift. And so, yeah, I wasn't expecting this to happen, but it was what was happening. So I was just praying that God would protect me and um, take care of me and Hudson and Matt. And so in that moment, I was beyond terrified and they did all they could everything they were doing in the room was extremely painful. I was, I was screaming in the mother baby hallway. Um, so that was awful too. Cause I knew there were families just trying to rest and it was chaos. They couldn't get to stop. And I said goodbye to my son and my husband because they didn't know. I mean, I was in really bad shape. So they rushed me off to the OR and again, all my family wasn't there. So if something would have happened to me, it would have been just really Awful. That's one of the reasons I regret not having yeah. my family there because I, I called my mom and said, mom, they don't know what's happening, but I'm really, I'm going in and out of consciousness. I'm not okay. And so I said goodbye to my parents too, yeah. <laughs> because we just didn't know. Um, sorry, this is, it's a little bit emotional to talk about. It is. Um, and so then they went to the OR and I just wanted to be knocked out. I know that sounds horrible, but I didn't want to feel the pain I was in. I didn't want to know what was happening. I just wanted like to be calm because they were all very like, they had to work quickly. So it felt stressful too because of how intense it was. So then 
they put me out and then I woke up at like 8.30 in the morning from surgery and thankfully they were able to stop the bleeding with the DNC so they didn't have to remove uh, my uterus. Praise the Lord for that. So yeah, it was it was not what I thought or envisioned, but it was a really rough recovery too because I just gotten all stitched up and then they had to go back in. So I didn't heal very well. So yeah. So yeah, I woke up at the hospital and then I was hospitalized for like four or five days because they needed to just monitor everything because it was it was a little bit abnormal. So So when your nurse first came in, when you called out after and you were like, I don't feel good. And you said she kind of started freaking out. Did were you in bed and did she kind of like move the sheets or like she lifted the sheets and Mm -hmm. there was just blood. And I didn't know I couldn't, I didn't feel it. It was very weird, but I was having extreme. I did tell her this. I said, I feel like I'm in labor again. My contractions are so extreme. Like I feel I'm going to throw up and fall over and everything. So that was too, the pain was so unbearable then I just, I wish she would have taken me seriously, like maybe even 10 minutes before. And I know that she is doing an amazing job. She was actually just coming off from a shift change. So she had just, she was new. She hadn't been with me all night. So yeah, her first interaction with me was taking me to my room. So she, you know, so I, I don't blame her for that at all, but I do wish in that moment, someone would have listened a little more because I knew something was very off. Right. Right. So. And, and then when you when everybody kind of came rushing in and what were they, were they just like giving you medications? I'm sure all the typical things that we give to stop a hemorrhage, probably manually, your doctor yeah. will manually put their hands in oh, your yeah. literally and try to sweep away any clots. They did that. They also put their hands up my rear end and we're putting medications in all different places. Yeah. Actually. They'll put side attack in your rear end to try to help the cramping. They'll put their hands in your uterus to just try to, they're really, why you're feeling those contractions is literally your body trying to get rid of clots that were probably retained or placenta fragments that were retained. And that's your body just trying to like push them out and get them out. And a lot of times if they're stuck like that, they do have to end up if they can't get them manually doing a DNC, like you said. Yeah. So what they said was I didn't have any placenta left over. So they were a little confused because there was nothing that was really left over, but they did say that my uterus just was struggling to clamp down and they were thinking maybe because of how quickly labor came on, I was, it was just still like overworking itself. And so we really don't know why it happened, but it happened. So yeah, Yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely rough. And that's not, you know, what you expect to be kind of taken right after Mm -hmm. you deliver your baby and have to leave your husband. That's, that's very scary. So thank you for sharing that. And I know that can be hard even a year later, you know, to really process and Mm -hmm. to talk about. Yeah, it is. It definitely is, especially with looking to the future and wanting more babies, but also having this, this fear of, you know, what if, but also just seeing how I was able to recover and how the doctors and nurses knew what they were doing and how well they took care of me. You know, it gives me a lot of hope and courage to be able to go through it again. And hopefully it would be a completely different birth experience. But so yeah, the labor itself was okay. There was just a lot of things that happened. And then you said that you stayed for about four nights in the hospital. Did you go home after that? Yeah. Yeah. And how was, you said the recovery was a little bit rough. Did anything eventful happen during that time? Um, Yeah. Recovery was really rough. I know that, well, first of all, I was very, just very weak and everything from the blood loss, but so that's normal but I didn't heal. So I had an extra like hole (laughs) because they didn't do new stitches after they did the DNC. Um, So I didn't feel like everything was stitched tight enough, but they said, let's see how you heal. Let's give it a few months. 
or a few weeks, like six weeks, and then we'll check again and see. So when I went in for, I think it was like a six or eight week postpartum appointment, um, I had been in a lot of pain. Like I couldn't sit for two or three months and just was in extreme pain. So they wanted to do surgery to fix the stitch area because it didn't heal. And so I had to go in for surgery. So that's another whole story. <laughs> right. Um, and ended up with an infection. From there, I came home from the surgery. This was like at the end of March. So it was almost three. It was almost, um, it was almost like, it was like two months, two months. Came home from surgery, was in extreme pain. Like it was so extreme. I told my doctor that I would rather push a baby out again. (laughs) So they had me go to the emergency room and um, during the middle of flu season. So I had to wait for like six hours in this pain. And then my doctor ended up coming down from the labor and delivery unit and took me right upstairs and admitted me because it was taking so long in the ER to be seen. And so um, I ended up having, they ended up closing up an infection inside my body. And so I was getting to the point of almost being sepsis. So then I was hospitalized for like another five days because that was dangerous and they had to, yeah. So there's a lot of different things. So you went from delivering to having a postpartum hemorrhage, a DNC, to about two months later having to have another surgery to kind of repair that area, and then that surgery area getting infected and having to be rehospitalized. Yeah, so like where I had my episiotomy right. and the tearing that didn't heal, so there was so that was really a painful spot for me for months, um, and I was like, I can't live like this. And they saw that, and they they went to fix it, and then in fixing it, closed up a and a severe infection inside my bloodstream and in my body. So, yeah. And so that's why it was so painful. So right after the surgery, the reason it became so painful was because of that. And how long was the surgery between, between delivery and the surgery that you had had? Two months. It was almost two months. It was the very end of March and I gave birth February 6th. So it was almost two months later. So those first two months were really rough. Um, It sounds like it. You you yeah. are, you're a trooper though. I mean, that's, <laughs> you, that is a lot to go through. That really is, especially with your first baby. Yeah. That's it was hard. Curveballs. And you know, just when you probably think one thing is finally fixed, you know, another one kind of came around the corner. So yeah. Strong. After that though, I went, you know, it was another six weeks of recovery. Like I would have normally had after having the baby. So in April, I started to feel a lot better. i um, feel more like myself and I pumped through this whole thing. Yeah. I actually ended pumping last week. So he had 14 months of breast milk, but that was a challenging thing too. Breastfeeding was challenging in the beginning because of just, I was in so much pain and everything. So I ended up going the pumping route. So I nursed for three months and then, so there was just, it kind of just everything that happened threw off my plans in regards to that, but I'm just really thankful for a healthy baby and that I'm okay. So I know in the end, even though looking back on like everything that you went through, you probably look at him every day and you're like, it was so worth it. It was. No, we already are like, when are we having another? (laughs) And you know, it is super scary. And there's always those what ifs of what's going to happen next with our entire lives. But you know, you came out of it and you are healthy, you are healed and fine and you have a beautiful family. So you just can never really let that scare you of your next pregnancy and thinking that it's going to happen all over again because it totally might not. And your next pregnancy might be absolutely beautiful and smooth. You never know. Yeah. It's definitely something I'm working through. Yeah. Um, It's literally like, I mean, people don't talk about it enough, but it's literally birth trauma. Like it's mm -hmm. women come out of labor and delivery and birth with a lot of trauma because you know, it's, it's one of the scariest things that you'll ever go through, especially medically and pain wise. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of women really struggle to kind of cope with like what happened during their labor and delivery, especially people who end up with like emergency sections. And it's really sad that 
there's not enough of an outlet for women just to talk about their stories and to tell their stories to other people who, you know, can relate. And I know you coming on this podcast, I am so grateful for you being willing to tell your story because I know that that's really hard. And I know a lot of women are going to listen to this and be super grateful that you were brave enough to tell it because I already had a friend of mine reach out and is so excited. I just kind of like told a general of what happened to you. And she's so excited to listen to this podcast because people, people want to hear about these things and they want to hear your story and kind of, you know, even though it was so hard, you give them hope because you got Mm -hmm. through it and you have a beautiful family. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, And yeah, I just wanted to say real quick too, I, before I had a baby, people did tell me their stories and a lot of people wanted to share their horror stories with me while I was pregnant. And that was something that really scared me, but I ended up really learning from that too, because it really helped prepare me. Like when things did actually happen for me in labor, I knew what it was and I wasn't completely shocked. And so I was aware of maybe what was happening. And then it also just helped me realize, you know, I'm not alone in that. Like people do go through difficult labors and deliveries, but having a baby is so worth it. And like, I already, like the week after I went through all this, this serious trauma, I was already like, okay, I want another one, which right. is crazy because, but I just, yeah, it's, it's definitely worth it. And everybody's story is so different and you have um, no idea how it's going to go, but it's having a baby is such a wonderful gift. Yeah. And that's what I love. I just love like educating people because, you know, you don't want to ever like instill fear. Like you said, like people telling you your traumatic stories, but you also want to be able to have resources and be educated that way. When things go wrong, if you hear the word hemorrhage, you know what it means, or you hear the word DNC and you know what it means, or even placenta previa, like, you know, you just know what those things are a little bit more because in the moment I can tell you right now, being a nurse, when my patient's hemorrhaging, I'm honestly probably not taking the time to be like, Oh, by the way, they're just bleeding a little bit extra. We're going to do ABCD. You know, I'm, I'm yeah, like, no. like you said, people are flying around the room. We do. We're flustered. We're right, left. We're calling. We're doing so many things that we kind of forget that you're also a human yourself and you're like, what the heck is going yeah. on? Yeah. So I was very thankful for that nurse who could, who could stop and just hold my hand through it because she looked a little scared too. So it was just nice that her, she was right there for me. So yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I hope this can encourage someone or help someone. As yeah, they learn some new will. things. I appreciate yeah. you. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it and I will see you next week to talk more about the bump. And of course, I know you all probably know this, but I have to add it in. I make every effort to broadcast correct information through this podcast, but I am still learning so much. So I am in no way providing medical advice through this podcast, just sharing the things that myself and others have experienced or learned. Make sure to consult your physician before taking anything from this podcast and changing your health. This applies to any guests or contributors that I also